Find Your Focus is a recharging space for the ambitious introverted woman. Grab a quick energy boost and reflect on how you want to show up as an introverted leader in your personal and professional life. Here's some inspiring stories of people around the world who've done things differently from society's extroverted expectations. Your host, Heather, a woman's leadership and life transitions coach, founder of a restored radiance coaching for the ambitious introvert, international communicator and marketer, world traveler, UK expat and fellow introvert. Heather aims to help ambitious introverted women find their unique leadership voice and create life transition roadmaps from career changes to moving countries or cities. Join Heather every Tuesday to find your focus, to fill your mindset with positivity and motivation to go after your dreams using your own unique energy blueprint. Your perceived weaknesses are your powerhouse. Here is your host. Hi, ambitious introverts. It's Heather here. Today on the podcast, I have brought on um, Gabrielle Trainer, who is a mindset coach for overwhelmed introverts. If you are listening to this podcast in real time, we are smack dab in the middle of the global pandemic of coronavirus, or also known as COVID-19. Um, a lot of us are social distancing, a lot of us are essential workers, taking care of everyone else, and we have a lot of on our plates. And so this guest today, Gabrielle, is going to be bringing some really timely um, discussions all about adjusting to social distancing, stay, staying informed while managing overwhelm in a global pandemic, using your introverted energy to help those in need, uh, coping tips for overwhelmed flare-ups, and how really the global pandemic is a global grieving period. So before we dive into this timely topic, I wanted to introduce to you Gabrielle Trainer, who is a coach, writer, teacher, and podcaster. She helps introverted women lose the overwhelm, feel calmer, more confident, in control and happier in their lives. Gabrielle works one-to-one with coaching clients, creates and teaches courses and workshops, runs the Calm Mind Club membership, hosts the Pressing Pause podcast, and writes for national and international magazines. And without further ado, here's Gabrielle. Gabrielle, it's so exciting to have you on. Welcome. Thank you so much, Heather. It's lovely to be here. Well, I just wanted to um, jump right in because, you know, as fellow introverts, we always like to dive in deep. We have our tea and coffee here on both sides of the world. Absolutely. (laughs) And um, I just wanted to pick your brain, really, and just riff on being um, ambitious introverts. So how and why do you uh, identify as an ambitious introvert? First of all, I love that phrase, ambitious introvert, because I think straight away it's going to make people stop and think, because I think a lot of people don't put those two words together. They think that introvert means, you know, a bit antisocial, quiet, uh, you know, quite as in sort of doesn't want to necessarily do things or go places or have ambition or have goals and, you know, wants a small, quiet life. I'm all for the quiet life, but the quiet doesn't necessarily need to be small or antisocial um and i think that it's great to put that word ambition with it because i've never really thought of myself as an ambitious introvert but i am because there are things i want to do there are you know i want to make a difference in the world i want to have an impact and i don't need to do that in a loud way i don't need to do that by being on display or you know talking to a bajillion people or you know going to lots of places or being, you know, on and on the whole time, I think I can do that while still being very much me and being an introvert and being quiet and having in-depth conversations and, you know, staying true to myself. So I, yeah, I just, I think it's a great phrase. It's a really great phrase. Oh, and I love that comparison that you, you mentioned right there about how you, you know, quiet and small aren't um, the same, right? So you can be quiet, but you can be expansive. And I think um, 
you're a, a great example of that. You've, um, you've, this is your third business now, isn't it? So you've ran three businesses and you are very ambitious. Um, and you also happen to live in a very lovely, small, nurturing uh, community as well. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really interesting point. I haven't really thought of, of the fact that, that having run three businesses would suggest that there is an ambition there. But that's, that's such an interesting point to make. Oh, Heather, this is interesting straight. This is such an introvert conversation. I love it straight away. We're, in, we're into the meaty stuff. I know, right? We have, our, we, are, we have our tea and coffee and we're talking all like interesting ideas. Oh, I'm living in my, my happy place right now, Gabrielle. So I wanted to also ask, um, when did you first identify as an introvert? And what do you think is the, um, the best thing about being an introvert? Because I think, um, like we were alluding to earlier, um, a lot of times society assumes quiet, shy, wallflower, kind of in the background, um, not engaging, as terms or phrases associated with introversion. And we know that's completely not correct. Um, but I wanted to, to get your take on that. Yeah, I think that how I realized I was an introvert is probably how a lot of people do, in that I found Susan Cain's TED Talk and then read her book. And it was a complete revelation. And, you know, I wish, I mean, I read her book quite soon after it was published, but I think if only this book had been around 20 years earlier when, it, when I was a teenager and struggling, because it just ex, it explained myself to me. And all the things that for years I've beaten myself up about, you know, the fact that I found that, you know, if I went shopping for several hours, I would be absolutely wiped out by it. And I would think to myself, I need to, you know, I need to, I need to man up. Horrible phrase, but that's what I would think, you know, or maybe I need to take more vitamins. What's wrong with my energy levels? Why can't, you know, my sister-in-law is, you know, brilliant at shopping for like seven hours straight. Why can't I do that? Goodness, what's my problem? I would beat myself up so much. And, you know, and also think, why do people think I'm intense because I want to have deep conversations and I'm not really very good at the whole small talk thing. And all the while thinking that I was somehow deficient, that I wasn't, you know, made, not wasn't made, but I just wasn't somehow, you know, as good enough compared to other people. Why couldn't I do the things that seem, other people seem to be fine? And I was noticing what extroverts did. I was noticing I was comparing myself to extroverts rather than to other introverts and totally feeling like I was coming up short. Then I read Quiet and realized that this is just how I'm made up. And actually half of the world-ish is the same as me. That actually there is nothing wrong with the fact that after two hours shopping, I'm done. And actually in the space of that two hours, I also need half an hour with, you know, sit down with a cup of tea. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean I need more vitamins. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know somehow you know a bit rubbish and you know need to, to find more energy that's just the way that I'm built because actually it's there's so much processing power that is going on inside my head to deal with everything all the you know the assault on the senses that is a shopping center for example that that's you know that is computing in my brain differently to how an extrovert computes in their brain and so it's okay and it's all right that actually if you know I'm on a family holiday with my wider family if actually after you know spending a day with them, I need to go and be on my own in my bedroom for an hour, that doesn't make me antisocial. That doesn't mean I don't love my family. That doesn't mean that I don't want to be around them. I just am built in a way that I need to have some time to recharge and then I can be back with them for the rest of the evening, feeling far more like myself and wanting to be with them and being much better company instead of what I know I would have done previously, which is I would have charged on because that's what you're supposed to do and I didn't want to let anybody down. and it was people pleasing you know wanted to make sure that everybody was happy and you know I was doing what is expected what everyone else was doing but actually they were getting a substandard version of me because I was worn out and frazzled and and a bit resentful about it so yeah reading reading that and discovering that I'm an introvert was just so empowering so empowering and it meant that I could then allow myself to make changes and to to kind of stand up for myself and my needs and be able to live in a way that was far more in keeping with who I really am, which meant that I was then happier and I could then be a nicer person to be around because I wasn't this knackered, frustrated, resentful, 
worn out person who was trying to be somebody who I'm not built to be. Oh, I so relate to to everything you just said from the shopping to um, uh, reading that book and really just having the world kind of open up because you're right. I think um, extroversion has been so hyped in our society, um, at least in the Western world, that it's been something that you strive to be and it's been seen as the version of success that you need to, to strive towards. And so when your energy um, isn't, um, your, you know, your internal energy um, generator isn't geared toward that type of production, um, you then start to go, you, you tend to beat yourself up, don't you? And compare yourself um, when instead of looking at how you are made up and then saying, well, what are the opportunities there? Um, I remember that that book was such a, a mind opener when she, she explained that your energy um, is generated by the alone time and that's what the difference is and that um, really opened up so much opportunity to just <laughs> you know embrace that and plan that in my day absolutely and actually that's the other question that you asked which is what is my favorite thing about being an introvert and it's that I'm happy in my own company that I you know I, I very much like being around other people I very much like spending time with my my family my friends people I care about but I'm totally happy on my own and I can spend an entire day on my own in silence and I'm completely fine with it I can also spend lots of time you know with lots of people if you know if those are people that I care about and I want to be with I'm happy being with them um you know I can also you know put on some music super loud and you know jig around my kitchen singing at the top of my voice it doesn't mean that I only ever want to be on my own or in silence but I like the fact that I'm okay with that because I know that there are some people who really struggle with that. And certainly at the moment with everything that's going on with this pandemic and the fact that we are needing to be in our homes to keep ourselves safe, to keep our community safe, to take the pressure off the medical services, this is something where I'm thinking this is, this is just like a, it's an added, bonus sounds like a wrong word, but it's, you know, it's helpful for myself that I'm okay being on my own and in silence because actually there's a lot more of that going on in the world i mean i'm not entirely on my own. i do have a dog and a husband <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh but yeah but but that's that's a, i think that's the thing that i like most about being introverted but I'm, yeah I'm, I'm happy in my own company mm -hmm. i do think like you were saying um touching on what's happening in our global society right now and it's impacting so many of us across the world um <clears throat> with uh covid19 coronavirus um, pandemic that's happening. Um, there is an opportunity there for us introverts um, because like you said, we have that beautiful quiet power that we know how to explore our internal um, world and really create um, beautiful results from that and, and marinate in you know, um, the quiet. Um, and I think the world's kind of providing us this perfect environment for us to do that, to go inward. Um, which is amazing. But I think also because it's in um, not the most perfect circumstances and the news is intense and we, of course, want to keep up with the news, um, there's that, that juxtaposition with the intensity and the severity of what's coming out um, as news and it can be very overwhelming. And so what I found as well for myself is that I'm... I'm very happy in my little quiet space and trying to focus on my creativity and what do I want to plan next and and kind of explore those ideas. But there's some days where I just go into complete overwhelm because the mind has attached to some new information that's been um, explained in the news and I'm going far in the future and future tripping. <laughs> so for... I'm sure I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's other fellow ambitious introverts who um, may also be feeling the same way. And I wanted to just riff on that and maybe how we can explore or give ourselves um, the opportunity to address those concerns and that overwhelm. And so we're, we're creating this beautiful nurturing um, support so that we can use our introverted power. 
Yeah, absolutely. The first thing I will say is that you are absolutely not alone. And that goes for whatever feeling you're having, whatever thought you're having at any time. So, you know, not just at this, at this particular time in our lives. You're never the only person having that thought and feeling because there are other people who are always struggling with something. And I think that there is such reassurance to know that when you're having thoughts, you're thinking, oh my God, I can't believe I'm thinking these things or, you know, this is a horrible feeling to have. To know that there are other people who maybe, maybe you don't know who they are. Maybe they are, you know, far away from us, but there will be other people on the planet who feel just like us. We are never alone in our feelings. And the, the, yeah, the taking in the news is a real, it's a real tricky one because obviously we want to be informed. We need to keep ourselves and we safe and we need to make sure that, you know, we're acting responsibly and safely around other people. So we need to know what is happening and what is the latest guidance that, you know, our governments or whoever, are, you know, are bringing out. But it's finding the, the balance between taking in the information and then stepping away from that information because watching 24-hour news is not going to make the world a better place instantly. It's not going to make you somehow safer and cleverer. It's not going to change the way that you wash your hands, which you know is one of the things that we're all being told you know is, is so important. You will, you know, you know by now how to wash your hands for 20 seconds, not the thorough way to do it. So watching the news and hearing the statistics and hearing the numbers in all the different countries and everything that's happening isn't going to make you wash your hands any better because you already are doing that as well as you possibly can. You getting stuck on the news, you watching the cycle go round and round and getting more and more stressed, you know, the breathing starts to get shallower and shallower and, you know, everything gets tight. That isn't going to help the doctors and the nurses. That isn't going to stop the virus spreading. That isn't actually going to have an impact. All that does is make you more stressed out, you more upset, which means that you then can't be the person that you really are around your other people. So you're not going to be having the capacity to take care of yourself and take care of your loved ones because actually you're in your head. You're, yeah, you're catastrophizing, you are what ifing, you're right there in the future. All the awful things could possibly happen. Oh, no, no, you've gone, you know. But actually, right now, you've got your family, you've got your friends, you've got your community, you've got your work, and they are the people who are gonna benefit from you being able to say, you know what, I'm gonna watch the news, I don't know, say, you know, first thing in the morning and, you know, sort of around dinner time, perhaps not last thing at night, not before you go to bed. Personally, that's something I don't find at all helpful. I don't watch the news after kind of six, seven o'clock. Um, and then that's it, you know, and if I watch it twice a day, you know, relatively far apart, I'm pretty much gonna have the up-to-date information. I'm not going to miss anything vital. And then apart from that, I'm going to leave it alone and I'm going to focus on what is going to feel right for me, what is going to make me feel like I can be my most, you know, kind of truest self. And I'm going to be able to be present for my family and friends as opposed to just being completely and utterly lost in my head. Oh, that's such a beautiful perspective as well that... Um just staying up to the um, to date on or you know obsessing about the news isn't going to to help you do anything better than what you're already doing and you're already looking after yourself and your loved ones in this moment so it's um yeah stepping back and really focusing on your your mental and emotional and physical health in this time because um Stress does have a correlation to um, our physical health, right? The the cortisol flushes through our body and it inflames our cells, making us more susceptible to um, to illnesses. So it's that's a beautiful way of reframing what we should be looking at and um, focusing on in this time of uncertainty. Absolutely, yeah. And I think we think that if we are worrying about other people that means that we care and we are somehow going to be able to, to you know, affect some kind of change. We are going to make a difference. But actually, if you're continuing to stay stuck in that stress and overwhelm or watching the news go round, round, round and feeling, you know, great angst and worry and pain for, you know, for the people who are ill, for the people who have lost loved ones, for the people who are working day and night in our hospitals, that's not helping any of those people because you sat in your living room watching the news 
getting more and more worried and upset and stressed is not making a difference to the people who are in pain, ill, who are in pain, who've lost loved ones or who are working in hospitals. It just isn't. And all it's doing is stressing you out, making you more upset, weakening your immune system exactly like you described. And that's, that's not helping anyone. The people, you know, the doctors and nurses don't want you at home worrying about them, stressing yourself out. That, they, don't, they don't need that. That's not helpful. That's not helpful to them. So that's, that's not helpful to any of us, frankly. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yes. Um, because, yeah, if we're a prisoner to our own overwhelm and worry and stress, we're not going to be there for other people. So instead of obsessing about that overwhelm and worry, um, really allowing yourself that time to focus on your um, addressing that issue, um, treating that, and then being able with the energy to then look at how you can help in your community, whether that's um, getting fabric and creating masks and donating them to your nurses um, or medical um, staff in your country or maybe throwing on a Instagram live where you do a dance party or um, a virtual happy hour with your loved ones to, to bring much joy and, and laughter to them during this time. That's such a beautiful point that you just made, Gabrielle. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. Because if you don't use your energy on you know, sitting and spitting, frankly, and instead you use your energy to think, okay, you know what, I'm just gonna I'm gonna check in with my friend. I'm gonna, you know, see if they wanna have a little Skype chat, FaceTime or Zoom chat with them. Um, I'm gonna spend some time trying to help my, you know, my grandma, my mum, whoever it is, to figure out how to do a video call. Um, I'm gonna, you know, check if the neighbours if I can get them any food shopping. Um, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna go on Instagram and just talk about, you know, the hilarious dog videos I lost two hours to watching today because they made me chuckle. Whatever the thing is, that that yeah, that's that's the way that you're gonna take care of yourself and serve your family and friends and community. Oh, fantastic. Now, um I'm sure there's other listeners right now. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see how this is like impacting me and how I can support others because I'm definitely feeling that right now. Um, Now that you we've addressed that, what are some tips that you'd recommend for ambitious introverts for how to kind of release that overwhelm and worry? You did mention that, um, you know, not listening to the news right before you're trying to go to bed is actually a good point. And I definitely agree with that. Um, uh, is there any other things that people could um, be mindful of when they feel that flare up of overwhelm or anxiety? Yeah, so I think so along with um, yeah, understanding you're not the only one feeling that way and being intentional about your news consumption. Also, be intentional about where you get your information because you know, there's, there can be a lot of, you know, I heard this said, and somebody said that, and, you know, apparently this, and, you know, when you are taking in information from social media, it's not necessarily accurate. So also thinking about getting your information from reputable news sources from, you know, your government and from, uh, you know, charitable organizations, that's where you're going to, to get information that is accurate. Um, but also, it's reminding yourself that it's okay that you're overwhelmed. It's okay that you're stressed out. This is an extraordinary time. This is not, you know, this is not normal. And this is not something that any of us have experienced before or lived through before, and we're all figuring out as we go along. And so we are going to feel all kinds of emotions several times a day in all kinds of different ways. And all of that is okay. It's all right for us to feel whatever our feelings are. And so we can just give ourselves a break, I think. So, you know, if you have a moment where you're just thinking, oh, just, you know, it's all too sad. It's all too much. It's too, it's too awful. Recognize that and think to yourself, okay, one, I'm allowed to feel like this. That doesn't mean that I'm not coping. It doesn't mean that somehow, you know, I'm weaker than anybody else because everyone else seems to be fine and I'm the only one freaking out. What is going to help me right now? What I say actually that that could is there something that I did that that is perhaps leading to me feeling like this? Is it that actually I've just spent an hour and a half in front of the news? Is it that I've just been on social media too much? Is it that I've just talked to somebody who I know just you know actually is not a brilliant person to talk to because they get very very angsty and stressed out and right now they are not the person that I need to be around? You know, is it something? Can I see what could be the trigger? Maybe it's not anything. Maybe it just 
suddenly just hit you, the enormity of it. So what is it that would help me right now? Is it going to be just taking five minutes to just do some deep breathing? Is it going to be meditating? Is it going to be um, putting on a song and throwing myself around the room, you know, the most high energy song I can possibly find? Is it, you know, to actually just sit and just have a little cry? Do I just need to get this emotion out? Do I need to phone a friend and have a chat with them? You know, what is it that is going to help me right now? It doesn't mean that, that this is what I have to do forever, but actually maybe for just for the next five minutes or the next 20 minutes or the next hour, that is what's going to help me. And this isn't going to stay forever, this feeling. You know, all our feelings are transient. We never have a feeling forever. They're not permanent. And so this feeling will go. And it also applies to if you're having, you know, a lovely feeling. So if you're having a feeling where you're feeling brilliant, and actually for a moment, you kind of forget everything. And, and you're just, you know, you were caught in the moment and you were laughing your socks off at something. But, you know, something funny on the radio, something your kid did. And for a moment, you're just filled with utter joy. And then you suddenly catch yourself and you think, oh, oh, I'm, you know, I shouldn't be laughing. I shouldn't be feeling happy. This is wrong. No, it's absolutely fine for you to be happy. It's fine for you to feel joy. Again, you know, people who are struggling at this time, the people who are dealing with the pain and the suffering, they don't need you to be somber and unhappy all the time. You, you know, you being happy is okay. I, you know, all right, so somebody's suffering, they don't need you to, you know, be super, super cheerful in their face, obviously, but you wouldn't do that. But, you know, again, you holding yourself away from joy, you keeping joy at arm's length isn't going to change whether somebody in a different part of the city, in a different country, is catching the virus. That isn't, you know, that isn't going to make a difference. It doesn't mean that you're any less caring because for a period of time you just completely block out the world and you do whatever it is that feels good for you. It isn't making you a bad person. It doesn't mean you're any less caring. It just means that actually you're a human being and human beings need to feel their feelings and to have joy in their life as well as have all the other emotions. So yeah, definitely I think people need to be able to give themselves a break and with whatever it is that they're feeling. You shared so much goodness right there, um, specifically about um, self-compassion and grace during this time and also mentioning you know the that we shouldn't be afraid to express our joy because we aren't robots here we're not going to only process one emotion at a time and in fact uh, there was this recent harvard business review um, article that was published and they explained um, what's happening with the global pandemic that the global collective the society is really going through a grieving period right now because we're grieving the loss of the life that we once had and how and the uncertainty of the future or at least the the near future so that um, all those um emotions that you were just describing is all part of that grieving process right and i think while we've never been in a situation like this um, we can all relate to grief um, in our life and how we've processed it and how it's very different from um, one situation to the next. Um, and so um, in those moments, we can remember that we'll be sobbing one moment and then laughing um, another, and that's perfectly okay and that's really healthy to have that beautiful arc of emotions there. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. It is there is a, a definite relationship to grief and the process of grief because yeah, we are we are you know we are mourning the fact that we aren't living the way we used to, and we don't know whether we're going to be able to live the way we used to again. We will you know life will return to some sort of normal. This is not again. This is not going to be how life is forever. But the idea that we would go back to being exactly as we were before you know, it's pretty far-fetched because we're all going to be changed by this experience. And so there is that grief for what life used to be like. And also, you know, just simply, oh, we just had um, Mother's Day in the UK. I know, I think, I think Mother's Day is different in different parts of the world. Um, and that was a real struggle for a lot of people because they couldn't see their mums. They couldn't touch them. They couldn't give their mums a great big hug, be in the same room as them even. Um, and so there's a grief going on there. So that yeah, there's definitely. And but like you say, it's that kind of that sort of gallows humour, isn't it? Where actually, 
even in the moments of grief, and like you say, we've all had some sort of experience in some way, I'm pretty sure, with grief, there are moments of black humor, there are moments of, you know, of joy and silliness in mixed in with all the sadness and the, you know, and, and the, that's just what we think of more traditionally as grief, but there are still those, those lighter moments in with the shade. And yeah, I think it, it's, it's definitely similar to what we're all going through now. Mm, absolutely. And I think there's real opportunity there um, as we allow ourselves that rest and really focusing on um, coping with um, the overwhelm and addressing those issues and looking after our mental, emotional, and physical health during this time. Um, we're giving ourselves the rest that we need. And then with rest comes um, the next phase, which is you know, exploring possibilities and opportunities and being really creative. And um, that's where some beautiful ideas start to, to populate. And so there is this next phase that we've not yet gotten to because we're still in the, the you know, the processing part of it. But there's some hopeful um, things, um, uh, you know, awaiting us on the other side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, something that, that has, keep, has kept coming up with people I've been talking with is how they've kind of been sort of surprised by themselves and a bit frustrated with themselves because they find that they have no, no get up and go. There's no motivation. There's no energy. They just sort of are procrastinating. They just not wanting to do anything. And they said, you know, I, I, you know, I've always wanted to have more time at home so that I could do these things, you know, and I always thought I would... You know, I would knuckle down and do this and the other night, you know, I'd, I'd have this space and time to have all these ideas and I could get cracking on things. And I don't want to do any of it. I don't know where to start. I don't want to, to you know, don't want to do any of the things that I thought I wanted to do. And, and I don't know what to do with that. I don't know why I'm feeling like that. And, and it's annoying because there's stuff that I thought I would want to do and I'm not wanting to do it. I don't understand why. And I think, again, it's partly about kind of grief. It's about processing. And it's also... The fact that this is a bit of a, a bit of a culture shock, to put it mildly, because we've had such in such a very short period of time, we've had enormous changes to how we live our lives, and so every day, I mean, in the past week, um, past two weeks, rather. So I see, I'm already losing track of time. In the UK, we've had the prime minister has appeared on television in the afternoon every day, and he's thought he's brought a brand new, enormous piece of information that has completely shifted the way that British people are living their lives. And every day it's been like another great big wave of change that we've all had to deal with. And then it's been another level. And all the uncertainty and all the unknowns. And so there's only so much that we can all be handling at any one time. And all our energy and brain power is going into dealing with all the information and dealing with the shifts and changes. And so if, you know, if people have been suddenly thrust into working at home, and they've got the kids at home and they're needing to homeschool their kids and they're you know needing to figure out about how are they going to get the food shopping in because you're only supposed to go out for you know if you desperately need definitely need food um worrying about the families is so much for us to, to deal with that the thought of then being able to have that lovely spacious open creative feeling to be able to create and to do all the lovely things we don't have the brain space to do it we just we just don't. So even though we physically have the the space to do it because we're in our homes, we're not rushing here, there, and doing all the activities we were doing, our brains are really maxed out just dealing with We're kind of in survival mode. You know, we're dealing with just the immediacy of all the things that we have to compute right now, all the changes that we're taking on. And therefore, it's not really any great surprise that we don't feel like we have any kind of impetus to, to do the, the lovely creative things that we thought we would want to do and I think that will come I think that perhaps in time and it's going to be different for everybody and some people will get there before other people and then you know we'll compare and think well that person's doing those things why aren't I <laughs> but I think that right now we again it's wrapping ourselves a break it's being self-compassionate and saying okay this is all feeling like an awful lot right now and and those things I want to do I wish that I had the energy and the brain space to do it, but I don't. I'm just going to trust that that will come. This is not changing anytime soon. You know, this is going to be going on for a few weeks, months. There is time. It's okay. I'm just going to deal with what I need to deal with now. Do what feels is what's needed for me and for my family and for, for, for my immediate 
know, kind of circle. And then I'm just going to trust that there's going to be some breathing space coming. And as I get the hang of this whole new way of living, and actually as, you know, the new waves of information slow down, which they have, certainly in the UK, because we've shifted very quickly to pretty much lockdown now. And there's not, you know, there's not much more change that we can really have happen because we're already all inside our homes. Then I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to trust that I'm going to have that space and I will be getting back to some kind of sort of motivation feeling. I'm going to feel like I can be creative, but I'm just going to give myself a break right now. Mm, That was such like a a nice warm blanket right there (laughs) because you're absolutely right. I think we have such high expectations um, of ourselves because, hey, we're ambitious introverts, right? And we see the potential there. But like you said, we are also in a situation that we've never been in. And it's almost like we, you know how, how babies and young children, they sleep a lot because every day they're learning and growing and adapting and changing. And we often forget as adults how much energy it takes to learn and grow. And that's exactly where we are right now. We are learning and adapting very quickly. Like you said, often every day is different. And so the amount of energy we're using to then explore how do we adapt, what do we need to take care of, who do we need to take care of in these moments is changing from one day to the next. So we're expending so much energy um, in those scenarios. That is such a great way to explain it. Absolutely, yeah. That's the thing. With the amount of change and learning that we've had to do over the last few weeks, is not something that adults, generally speaking, we normally have to take in. And also, it's none of our doing, you know, it's because obviously we learn all the time, you know, and if you're, you know, I think, say you're studying a course, you have gone into that knowing that you're going to be learning lots of stuff. So actually, you probably make adaptations to your life to be able to do that. But all of this has just been thrown at us with no warning, because nobody really had that much warning about it. And and it wasn't our doing. We didn't want any of this to happen. And yet we're all having to deal with it. And it's, yeah, I think that's a great way to compare it to to babies and young children, where every day they've got a load more information, a load more experiences, a load more news and, you know, and learning to, to compute. And therefore they need the they need the time and the sleep to be able to deal with it. So yes, we all need more sleep. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. I think I think that's the, the one of the things, right, in this moment. Yes, sleep, rest. <laughs> um exactly. So, Gabrielle, I realized that, um, you know, as typical introverts, we just jumped into the deep conversation and the ideas, and it's been beautiful. I've been so um, amped up on this this wonderful conversation, um, but we haven't shared about your own story and, and how you've come to all these amazing realizations. So, um, for our wonderful listeners, um, can you share a little bit about how you came to where you are yourself right now? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that we're we're way into way into the, the episode, <laughs> and we've just gone straight in <laughs> classic introverts. Um, so yeah, I, I was always somebody who uh, you know who actually spent a lot of time what ifing the future, you know, rehashing the past, and you know, I wanted to make sure that I was doing what I was you know supposed to do, what people expected of me. I wanted to you know be the good girl, as you know we were all brought up. We you know wanted to be the good girl and make everyone happy, put other people first please everybody uh all of that stuff and it just meant that i spent a lot of my time living in my head and not particularly in the world and all of that just made me feel overwhelmed a lot of the time because when you're putting all your energy into worrying what other people think of you are you doing the right thing are you doing what's expected of you what are you supposed to be doing what should you be doing that takes up a lot of energy and it just all becomes overwhelming and so i spent you know first few decades of my life like that and then I discovered the world of positive psychology literally in a, in a bookshop there was a section and that was again a revelation all my revelations come from books and that was a revelation to me so once I then started to get into the world of positive psychology and learn more about it I started to try things out on myself and realized that there were tools and strategies and techniques that I could put into practice that helped me to spend less time rehashing the past you know going over the conversations I had and what do they really mean by that look and what does you know what did that person mean when they said that thing and what if in the future about all the things that could happen and what if that happened what if they said that and what if that happened next and actually spend much more time in the present 
and it helped me so much I started to think well this is helping me it's bound to help other people surely there can't be other people who you know who, there must I, I can't be the only one feeling like this there must be other people feeling like the way I do too so maybe it'd be helpful for me to share not as a you know as a scientist who's doing the research but as somebody who's saying I've, I've taken that science and I've put it into practice in my life and this is what it looks like as an actual normal person who's you know who's just bumping about life and and incorporating it into their day-to-day living and so when I uh, first discovered positive psychology that was when I was in my first career which was in publishing so I was um, in the editorial department of um, children's and teen magazines and newspaper um, and then I had uh, already started to realize that I wanted to do something else that was still creative in a different way so I had started my stationary business um, and so while I was kind of you know I had a few years of me trying this stuff out on myself and realizing the impact it could have and then um, it was beginning to influence my stationery I was creating so a lot of the stationery I was making was along the lines of gratitude journals and reflection journals and affirmation cards and lots of very sort of positive messaging was coming through the stationery and so then as time went on I then thought you know what this is something that I feel much more passionate about as, the, as time goes on and I wanted to, to do this more as a, as a business as opposed to just kind of you know showing it in blog posts and so I started my well-being business and eventually I sold my stationery business a couple of years ago so that I'm retrained as a coach so that I could put all my time and energy into helping people deal with their own so that's my slightly interesting journey around the houses a little bit to where I am right now oh I love that and it's it's beautiful to see the journey and that self-exploration there as well um because I think what you're talking there about people pleasing and negative self-talk I think those go hand in hand um to a lot of people's everyday life um specifically in a really high charged um, environment that we're experiencing right now, right? Um, like you were saying, we might be telling ourselves we should be better at certain things um, and adapting to certain things better or um, trying to people please with everything that's going on as well. So um, I, I think it's very relevant to our, our listeners. And But I remember myself, my own journey um, with uh, people pleasing and negative self-talk. I didn't even realize I did that. It was just a part of who I was that I just thought there was nothing like it's not you're not doing anything wrong. But I just didn't think that was an issue that was stopping me from up loving leveling my own life. So for women who might not quite know what people pleasing is or um, negative self-talk is, can you explain what they are and 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 how they impact our lives? Yeah, and I yeah I completely agree. I certainly had no idea that I don't think I probably even knew the terms people pleasing or self talk, and I just thought that yeah that was just life. I had never really noticed it until I then did notice it. Um, so people pleasing, that's that looks like when you do things that go against your values, that go against what feels right for you because you think you should do, and because you think that's what you're supposed to do and you're expected to do and if you don't do those things then maybe people won't like you as much maybe people will think ill of you maybe people will think badly of you and that will then in turn mean that you are a bad person um and so that sounds really dramatic but it is actually as little as things like you know somebody saying um you know oh i'd really appreciate it if you could um bake the cakes for you know the the sale we're having in the office and actually you you don't have the time to and you don't really want to you don't like baking um but you say yes because you think well i i can't say no because i don't want to disappoint them i don't want to let them down what would they say about me that must mean that i am you know a selfish person if i don't want to to bake the cakes for sale and i've been asked to do so what are they going to think of me that means i'm not a team player all of that, you're then, you know, basically you're trying to please that person by saying yes to you, to the request to you bake the cakes. When actually, it, there's lots of reasons why you don't need to do it and why you don't want to do it. Um, with the self-talk, it is the, it's the voice inside our heads and we all have a voice in our heads and we all have an inner critic 
And the inner critic is the voice that, you know, when you look in the mirror and you go, oh, look at the state of your hair. I can't believe you're going out like that. When you think that's that's the top you want to be wearing right now? No, God's sake, what are you thinking? It's that voice, you know, it's the voice that is just like, I can't believe you just said that, you're such an idiot. You know, it's it's the voice that is just chip, 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 chipping away at us. And weirdly, the inner critic is actually trying to keep us safe. The inner critic is trying to look after us in a strange way because if it keeps you kind of safe and quiet and small, then you're not going to get hurt. You're not going to rock the boat. Nobody's going to disagree with you. Nobody's going to not like you. Nobody's going to um, do anything that could any way put you in any kind of danger because it stems back to, you know, the olden faraway times when actually, you know, we had real dangers of lions and tigers come to eat us. And so it was trying to keep us safe by saying, do you really want to go hunting on your own? Probably not. I think, you know, you're, no, you're not, you're not up to that. You need other people around. But we don't have those kind of threats now. But instead, it transfers instead to, you know, you don't really want to show your face on Instagram because, uh, have you seen your face? My God, nobody wants to see your face because what would people think of you? Because, you know, there's a chance that maybe somebody would disagree with what you say on social media. And therefore, if you don't show your face, if you don't speak up, if you don't give your opinion, you're being safe, you're being small. And so that's what your inner critic's doing. So it's trying to keep you safe by pecking at you and keeping you down the whole time. But, you know, what we say, we take in because we're hearing it. And so if we have a little voice that is constantly telling us that, you know, we can't do something or we're no good at something, then we believe it. And so then we don't do the thing. We don't try the thing. When actually it might be that we could be great at whatever the thing is, but we don't give ourselves a chance because we are believing that voice, you know, it's, it's an affirmation, isn't it? So we always think of, of affirmations as being positive affirmations. You know, when you want to you want to feel more confident about something, you'll say, you know, a positive affirmation. But affirmations are simply belief statements. And so the belief statement can also be, I can't do maths. I'm rubbish at maths. I can't add up the topic. I, you know, I can't do anything without a calculator. If you constantly tell yourself you're rubbish at maths, you're going to have no faith in your mental arithmetic whatsoever. It's still, you know, it's still an affirmation. It's just that it's a, it's a negative one. Oh, that's such a beautiful and clear way of being able to identify both people-pleasing and negative self-talk. Um, so for our listeners who may be um, listening to those examples and saying, oh my gosh, yes, I do do that. Um, how can they move from, from awareness now of identifying this is what it is how can they move from awareness to then being able to um, move through that and addressing those issues? So when it comes to the people pleasing, I think that one of the things that, that is actually kind of the, the most simple way to start, but can also feel like a really scary way is to start saying no, because that for people pleasing is like, no, 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 I don't say no, I don't say no to people. I can't do that because again, what would they think of me? What would that mean? La, la, la. So actually, starting small, and even, you don't even have to start off with saying no, but instead when somebody asks you to, for example, you know, bake the cakes for the office sale, don't give an answer straight away. Say, I'm just going to have to think about that for a moment. Let me come back to you. I'm just going to need to check some things and let me come back to you. So you don't even have to say no straight away, but you're not saying yes either. You're buying yourself some time. If you don't feel that you can just say, I'm not going to be able to do that, sorry. If that feels like too much, then buy yourself some time by saying, I'm just going to need to check a few things or can I come back to you on that? And then you can then go away and, you know, you can compose what you want to say or you can compose the email when you're feeling like, you know, you've, you've got a little bit of time to work out your sentences that you want to say. Um, but when you do say no, then you know that you're saying no for the right reason. You're not saying no because you're trying to be awkward. You're trying to, you know, ruin the bake sale. You're saying no because of all the good reasons, which is you don't have the time. You don't like baking. Maybe you're not very good at baking. Whatever the reasons are, those are the reasons you're saying it. So you are saying it from, for, you know, for good reason. And you don't need to explain, you know, as well. That's the other thing that I think that we can really sort of get tangled up in knots in, is feeling that we have to explain our no. But actually that can just make it even more complicated and muddy the waters because 
if somebody hears us say, oh, I'm so sorry, I know I can't because actually I've got to do this, you know, and you start saying all these other things, it can sound like you're actually looking for a reason why you can turn your no into a yes. So the other person can then say, oh, no, that's all right, don't worry about that, you know, why don't you just do it afterwards or do it later? Or that's okay, you can just make some of these things. And so they think that you're looking for a way out of your no, when actually, no, you're just not comfortable with saying no. So you don't always have to give an explanation. You can just say very kindly and nicely and, you know, and and warmly, I'm not going to, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to do that this time. But, you know, I hope the bake sale goes really well and I'll see if I can pop by and, and pick up a cake myself or whatever, however you want to say it. But you don't have to give an explanation. And think about, by you saying no, what does that mean you can say yes to? So if you say no to, I'm sticking with my baking analogy <laughs> here. So if you say no to baking some cakes that you don't want to bake or have the time to bake, that means at that time, does that mean that you can say yes to cuddling up with your family to watch a movie that night because you're not in the kitchen baking? Does it mean that you can say yes to reading a book that is going to bring you so much joy? Does it mean saying yes to getting an early night because you're absolutely wiped out? You know, what does say no mean that you can then say yes to? Um, and when it comes to the self-talk, when you catch yourself saying just the meanest, meanest, horrible things to yourself, first of all, don't, don't, don't beat yourself up then for then saying mean things to yourself, you know, because then, then the temptation is to then say, oh, I can't believe I'm just being able to go with myself. Oh, I'm such an idiot. Why am I, why do I talk myself so badly? And then you're just piling on <laughs> the negative self-talk. So once you realize that you're doing that, then just see if you can flip it. And even if you can't turn that, whatever the mean thing was, into something super positive, if that feels like too much of a leap and you know, you're eye-rolling yourself, then just think to yourself, okay, you know what? If this was my best friend and, and I heard somebody saying these things to her, if, she, if I had herself saying these things to her, what would I say to her? I would say, you know what? I like your face. I'm glad your face is the way it is and your hair looks lovely and your hair is yours. So you know what? Don't be mean to yourself. I don't want you to say these unkind words to yourself. Right, what if you would say that to her? Say that to yourself. That's the, I find that's probably the easiest way to flip. And actually that applies in so many things in life. It's to think if this was your best mate, how would you speak to her? And then speak that way to yourself. Oh, that's, yeah, that's beautiful. I think those are so important. Um, in everyone's everyday life, but especially now, um, because we are going through extraordinary times and our emotions are heightened. And so if you've always had that negative self-talk, um, that inner mean girl, she might be extra shouty right now because she's extra stressed and extra cranky. <laughs> so, um, really recognizing that and, um, you know, recognizing those thoughts as not helpful and also a drain to your energy are so important. Um, now that you've given some tips on how to to address both of those, I think um, what also is really important to note is that um, often we, we like to tick things off of our box, right? Especially as ambitious introverts, we love to cross them out, to score them out, and to just like, yes, out of sight, out of mind. But with things like this, this is, this is something that we're retraining our minds um, to do. And um, so it's not one of those things that we can just address in one go, right? Um, so for, for women who might be frustrated that they think they've addressed this in one scenario of their life um, or one like pie, um, pie chunk of their life um, and it's flaring up now in another area of their life, can you talk a little bit about that? I think, it, yeah, it's it's an ongoing thing. I mean, I, as we all are, you know, are works in progress, and I am still, you know, having to catch myself when I slip towards the, the people pleasing, or when I notice that I'm talking unkindly to myself. And so, it's going to be something that we're always going to be working on. And I think the thing is, it comes with practice. So it might be that, yeah, one one sort of part of your of your life you're becoming quite practiced at it and you're quite aware of it and that means that that's going to help you to 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 do it in other parts of your life because it's building that awareness so it could be that you know actually it's creating some kind of really 
conscious intentional checking with yourself to to stop for a moment and say to yourself okay what what is what's happening with me right now let me just check in am i doing things because they feel like the right thing for me to do or am i doing things because i'm scared that if i don't do them it's going to mean that somebody's not going to like me or somebody is going to think ill of me or you know what is what is my motivation for doing something here and it might be that you check in you go oh no no actually all's good yeah great okay great but because you've stopped to check in it's giving your brain that reminder to pay attention and to be more aware you know or you stop to think how what am i just saying to myself am i i no actually i've just realized but i'm so an automatic pilot that actually i've just been berating myself for for something that i don't need to have a go at myself for so now i've noticed that okay i'm gonna stop for a second i'm gonna switch up the story so it's 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 kind of consciously where you find that actually this is just something that i'm you know i i'm doing all the time in one section of my life it might be that you need to kind of almost like set an alarm on your phone for a couple of times a day to have a little alarm goes off and says hang on let's just check in what are you, what are you doing what are you saying to yourself what stories are you telling yourself and so by doing that consciously over time i think it becomes a little bit more easier for your brain to then learn to do it more naturally without actually having to set an alarm or to you know to, to consciously stop and do it but if you're getting the hang of it in one area of life, that is going to spill over into others because it's, you're then going to notice this sort of, this disjoint because actually, well, hang on, if I'm, if, if I'm feeling stronger about saying no in this part of my life, then why am, I, why am I still just totally doing whatever people else want in this part of my life? That's, it's going to make you more aware. So I think it will kind of bleed into it without, you know, necessarily you, you needing to try super hard to make it. Oh, that's such a, a beautiful tip there about setting an alarm to be more conscious of, you know, your own feelings and in your own needs in those moments to to really kind of build those muscles of awareness. And once you start building them and they become part of your habit, um, like you said, it's it's it, you you kind of treat um, the the flare ups of the um, the negative self talk as almost a bit of a, okay, I see you and a little bit of self. Um, compassion there because like you said um she's only just trying to keep you safe she just doesn't understand the situation um and she doesn't see the whole picture so um that that beautiful self um kindness and compassion in those moments um you're doing the best you can and you're you're just slowly flexing those muscles and building that muscle absolutely um, well, Gabrielle, this has been a beautiful conversation. I've been thoroughly um, engaged and just, uh, um, it's been like a warm, literally my warm cup of coffee. <laughs> um, and for other women who are also feeling um, like they want to connect with you more and um, follow, you know, expand their knowledge about these topics, where can they find you? Uh, well, the, the sort of home of everything is my website, which is gabrielletrainer.com. Um, that's where you can find the Calm Mind Club, my monthly membership, and my coaching, and uh, the Pressing Pools podcast, my podcast. Um, and I'm also on Instagram a lot. That's my, my social media of choice, where I'm at Gabrielle Trainer. Excellent. And ladies, I will have all links um, to Gabrielle in the show notes. Um, I do hope you uh, um, check her out and send her a message. She's wonderful and she's just um, a beautiful source of um, compassion and information for you in these these strange times. And Gabrielle, you've also um, generously um, said that you, you're going to gift um, something to some of our uh, Find Our Focus uh, listeners. Would you be able to share that? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to to give listeners twenty um, percent off my beginners meditation course, which is called Exhale. Um, one of the things that I love about meditation is the fact that it helps us to build that awareness that we've been talking about. Because through meditation, through all the times that your brain gets distracted when you're meditating, and when you think that you're doing it wrong because your mind has wandered off, whatever you know, the breath is whatever the focus is of your meditation. That's actually teaching you to recognize your thoughts as opposed to being in your thoughts and it's that's exactly what we've been talking about in our conversation right because it's recognizing oh hang on what are, what stories am i telling myself about what i need to do because i think other people think i need to do it or i should do it 
hang on a second, let me just notice the way I'm talking to myself. It's that awareness that we build through our meditation practice. And so, yeah, I would love to, to be able to offer that to your listeners. And thank you so much for this conversation, Heather. I just love how juicy it has been, a really gorgeous introvert conversation. So thank you so much for having me on. Oh, of course, Gabrielle. And thank you so much for that wonderful gift. I think, like you said, the meditation is going to be such a nurturing um, support um, for a lot of listeners out there. I know meditation, I rely on it very heavily, especially now. And it's a great way to regulate your breath and your stress response as well. So um, ladies, do take her up on that offer. That link will also be in the show notes, as well as the link to the Harvard Business Review article we mentioned earlier. And Gabrielle, it's been an absolute pleasure. So lots of introverted love right back to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. Hopefully I gave you the boost you needed to start your week. If it did, it would be appreciated if you spent two minutes right now to give this podcast a review on iTunes and then share the episode with an introverted friend who needs to hear this message. Your review will make sure other ambitious introverts who are struggling to find their voice and focus find this show and can receive the love and support we hope you felt today. Thank you. And remember, your perceived introverted weaknesses are your powerhouse.